There's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Doing well. Uh, big week of action for Schalke here. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the big, the top spiel against Bayern this weekend, which we will get to shortly, but uh, also um, the very important uh, quarterfinal in the DFB Pokal against, against Wolfsburg. Um, not the most uh, eventful of matches, so I don't know how much we'll say about it, but um, you know, nice win for Schalke there, Bergstaller, with the only goal on a nice counterattack. And uh, moving in to a uh, semifinal, uh, the draw has been completed, going up against Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, it didn't get Leverkusen, didn't get Bayern, which is nice, but Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, not a slouch team by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, that will be a very interesting contest as well. Looking forward to that. Yeah, no, I thought uh, in particular on that um, Bergstaller goal, Piazza had a nice play, nice pass to him. Um, yes, it was a fuck-it-all defender, but it got up to Bergstaller, who did well to uh, ultimately get the goal. So it was, it was a good victory nonetheless. I mean, a win is a win, and we are facing uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in the uh, semifinals. And, you know, we've we've collaborated with the boys from uh, Hey Eintracht Frankfurt before, and we're going to do so again for the DFB Pokal semifinals. Um, we'll get on their show. They'll get on our show. Uh, it'll be nice and fun. We'll have a little, maybe make some side bets on that. Who knows? Uh, we can discuss it with the boys later. Yeah. Jack. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. And you know, uh, you know, a clean, quick win in 90 minutes. Didn't have to go to extra time, uh, which was crucial to uh, preserve energy for you know the Bayern match of the weekend. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that Eintracht Frankfurt. Looking forward to talking to the guys from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt pod. And uh, yeah, lots to look forward to in the competition. We uh, we survive in advance. So with this being a big week, we decided we needed some help on this one. Uh, we brought in two guests to help us break it all down for this top spiel. Uh, first, she's a city trotter, a dreamer, chocoholic, coffee snob, German-American Francophile who calls England her home. She's a founder of Good Cause Kitchen and tweets blogs about football and politics. Please welcome Schalke fan Marie Schulte-Bockham. Willkommen, Marie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi. Welcome to the show. But, you know, we need more, we need more help on the show. So also, also here is New York City-based designer, illustrator, art director, and creative strategist. He does a lot of soccer, soccer illustrated illustrations and smart opinions on soccer. Please welcome Bayern fan Daniel Nyari. How are you doing, Daniel? Hey, what's up, guys? Doing well, doing well. So let's get into this uh, right away. Uh, last week, we were reeling from a 2-1 loss to Bremen, us being Schalke, and a measly four points from out of a possible nine against teams from the bottom of the table. We slipped from third to fifth in the table, so to make matters worse, it was Bayern week and a small matter of the DFB Pokal quarterfinal to get to. Um, on today's podcast rundown, we're going to talk about the DFB Pokal, Bayern Munich recap and reaction, and we'll give our predictions for Hoffenheim next Saturday. Jack, let's take it away. Let's do it. All 
All right. So in this one, we had a little little bit of a, a top spiel, if you will, uh, between Bayern and, and Schalke. Schalke are no longer in second place, but it's a top spiel nonetheless. Uh, let's get to the lineups right away. Uh, Daniel, I want to get your opinion on, on, on Bayern's lineup. Uh, in goal, obviously, you had Ulreich, Kimmich, Boateng, Hummels, and Alaba in the back. Vidal in the middle with uh, Robin, Muller, Rodriguez, and Ribéry, and up top with Lewandowski. Uh, was that a pretty standard lineup for you, would you say? Yeah, it's a pretty standard lineup. So with Hankes this season, they're a little bit more flexible. I think the the key to their success, to their sort of revitalization under Hankes, has been a synthesis between Pep's uh, positional play and flexibility and and the integration of, of Hankes' old model of attacking vertically. So usually they've been playing like a 4-1-2-3, but they're able to switch very seamlessly to a 4-3-3 and a 4-1-4-1. And it looked like it was more like a 4-1-4-1 here in terms of where everybody was generally placed. You had Vidal sitting in front of the back four, and you had a block of four, Müller, Hames, um, and Ribéry and Robin just behind Lewandowski and yeah that's that's pretty much what it looked like from beginning to end not to mention it's a superstar laden lineup uh it's something that any team can be envious of for sure Jack yeah and uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see Robin and Ribery back together um you know on opposite sides on the wings there's been some injury troubles between them over the past couple seasons and now it's kind of like uh we're, we're all the way back to uh Heinkes's first first run with Bayern with this kind of uh, setup No, absolutely. Uh, let's get over to the, the Schalke lineup. We are in goal, Ralph Farman. Then you had Benjamin Stambouli, Naldo, Tilo Kerr in the back, Daniel Calagiri, Leon Goretzka, Max Meyer, and Alessandro Schoff. And up top, you had Franco Di Santo, Briel Lombolo, and uh, Guido, Guido Bergstaller. Marie, uh, it's a little twist in the lineup with, uh, for Tedesco with three strikers up top. Yeah, I thought it was very surprising. I think so did everyone else. Really courageous lineup, if I'm honest, against Bayern away to start with three strikers. And they're very much full-blood strikers. You know, none of that falls number nine. These three guys are tall, bulky, and they're starting together. Tedesco throughout the week talked a lot about wanting to get those long balls into the middle and then keep the second ball. So, you know, stop the ball as, as Borgstahl does so well up front, but then also keep that second ball and lift the ball over the midfield. And Bayern has one of the best midfields in the world. And I think that might have been the reason he went for that and started with those three players. I also thought it was interesting to start Schöpf and Caligiuri together because usually they're rivals as yeah. for, for that position on the right in the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, so all in all, very experimental and... Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to talking about how it went, but really interesting tactical setup for us. Yeah, definitely different from uh, how we kind of normally present ourselves. Stan Bully popping in from Nastasic, who uh, was suspended for this game because of yellow card accumulation. Um, and then, you know, Carer popping up on the left side where he's normally uh, on the opposite side where Stan Bully slotted in. As you said, Caliguri and, and Shup playing together. Ochipka getting some rest on the bench. So Caliguri on the, uh, the opposite side of the pitch from where he usually starts things off yeah so the, 
So the last time Schalke had a win, uh, it seemed, especially in Bayern, was uh, I think it was like nine years ago. I think when Raul scored, if I remember correctly. Um, it's it's quite a while ago. Um, as as far as the form of Bayern, um, they haven't lost a home match in I think twenty three months, and I think it was to Mainz. Uh, Daniel, just pure dominance for Bayern at home, and they are pretty much unstoppable when they are there. Yeah, I mean they they look like they're back to their old self, and I think all it took was just bringing in the right person. I think what matters most with this team that still more or less retained a lot of the the setup and values and players from Heinke's original original stint. Well, not original, but the successful one everyone likes to to reference now, <laughs> 2012, yeah. 2013, and the one that also laid the foundation for Guardiola. So I think you know a lot of a lot of that has been in play. Nothing really changed. It's not it's not so much a magic switch. It was it was just bringing in the right person who was able to synthesize some old ideas and some some of the new ones, and more importantly, I think just make everyone happy because everyone here has the has the abilities to perform it's not like Bayern has old older players who are past it or they have young players with no experience everyone is is capable of providing everyone can bring something to the table and if they can just make them all click get on the same page and happy on and off the pitch you know the results speak for themselves and that's pretty much what we've been seeing and it looks more of the more of the same to expect you know finishing first winning the league and it's just a race for everyone else yeah really under under now so then one question for you daniel real quick before we we hop into kind of you know the match recap here so um you know heinke's was was brought in uh i guess some people kind of viewed it as sort of a stopgap move right just to kind of have him take over the ship for the rest of the season but there's some uh you know potential in some people's mind for uh, Bayern maybe bringing in you know a Nagelsmann or you know even a Tuchel potentially um, at the end of the year. Um, given that things are kind of back to how they were under Heikis and Bayern is playing so well right now, do you think that would be a mistake to just kind of run him out again in favor of of somebody younger? You think they should try to hold on to him and you know keep, kind of keep things going as long as you know if it's not, if it ain't broke don't fix it or do you think they need to kind of plan for the future and, and bring in somebody younger? I think they should definitely be planning for the future, and I know they're they're definitely doing that. Um, but I think they should also hold on to Heinkes as long as they possibly can, because simply put, because he's the best person to 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 run the ship basically. And if they can get one more year in, and which will also allow them to you know find the right replacement, it's simply the the logical move in my opinion. And I think they will hold on to him for another year, especially if this season goes really well, if they reach the semis or the final, I guess. I mean, I don't see, I don't see any other circumstance under which they will like, let go of him. And alternatively, I don't really know who the replacement could be if they do decide in the summer to bring someone else in. Um, you know, they, you speak about Nagelsmann, but he's still inexperienced. And it's very likely that the dressing room situation that was resolved under Heinkes will become or could become an issue with Nagelsmann because he is inexperienced. And he's not someone that these older experienced players like Vidal and Müller and Lewandowski and Robin and Ribéry, Boateng, Hummels, etc., will be able to look up to with the same respect. 
Yeah, so I think it's a tricky I, situation. I don't think they're going to go after Nagelsmann. Yeah, I think I kind of take the same view um, as you do. Like I said, I just brought it up because I, I feel like there's been some chatter out there that this is maybe not considered um, the longest of, of appointments. And I think it would be a mistake to just sort of take take what they're doing right now for granted and, and shake things up immediately, you know, especially, um, you know, for somebody younger when you have an experienced hand in, in Heinkes who's, who's doing, you know, quite a good job at the moment. Can I completely agree. Actually, to the Bayern coach discussion. Another consideration that the bosses at Bayern have often brought up is that they don't want to bring in a non-German coach again. They see that um, as kind of a failed experiment with Ancelotti. Mm -hmm. Guardiola also had mixed results. And so all these coaches like Pochettino at Spurs or Simeon in La Liga or perhaps even Arsene Wenger, if that spell ever ends, they're not really up for discussion because they're not German speakers. So I think yeah, absolutely. At Bayern, the relationship to management is is crucial. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, arguably in 2012-13, Heinkes had one of the greatest teams ever, not just in, in the Bundesliga, but I mean, ever. I mean, what what they did in the European stage and, and, and throughout that season was just magical. So, I mean, you thought when Guardiola came in, he would be able to, be able to uh, continue the success that Heinkes had with the triple, but it obviously didn't, it didn't happen. So I think you're right, Daniel. Uh, Niari is definitely the best guy for that. All right, uh, so let's get into this match right away because Schalke got into the match right away. I mean, within the first minute, uh, Brielle and Bowe had an excellent shot. It seemed, uh, Marie, that uh, Schalke was intent on having a high press in the game and, and trying to uh, get Bayern in, out of their comfort zone, if you will. Definitely, and I think Mbolo started with fire in his belly. He really had something to prove. He's been out um since the winter break, similar to Bentaleb, where they both have repeated there on top form and haven't really gotten a chance from Tedesco. And you, you just saw these three strikers running right at the Bayern defense, at this defense, which is prob probably the best defense in the world, throw in Vidal as well. And it was a really surprising start. Um, and I took a lot of courage from that. A uh, really good chance for Embolo. I think he was so surprised. He <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, could have done better, but everyone was very surprised, as was he. I also think something we didn't mention uh, straight away is the absence of Amin Harit, yeah. who's kind of been our creative spark of late. And, and that was another surprise. But I think when you look at Bayern's defense, this triangle of Boateng, Hummels, Vidal, um, given that Amin Harit's strength is going to these 1v1 situations, perhaps Tedesco thought that his lack of physical presence could have been a hindrance in that pressing game against these three defensive players. Yeah, I mean, I really couldn't tell why he was. I mean, that would have been the only logical reason why he wouldn't be in the lineup unless there was some kind of injury that we didn't know about. But obviously, he came in in the game later on, so that was not the concern. So obviously, yeah, I think he was. It was more tactical that he kept him out and went for a little bit stronger up top look, and it did pay off in the beginning. Um, Jack, you know. I, we had we've been talking about this all year, and, and last week we had a little bit of doubt about whether Schalke was still joint leader of uh, goals from set pieces. But apparently, uh, both Schalke and Bayern are joint highest scorers from set pieces. So, yeah, I guess we can hold that distinction again for one more week. Yeah, we need to keep uh, getting production from Naldo to hold on to that. But uh, I mean, as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I wouldn't be upset if we lost that distinction because um, at least at least as long as it's. Uh, as a result of potentially scoring a greater percentage of our goals from from open play and being able to break teams down, um, although if uh, you know DeSanto continues to he scored he scored his goal today, I'll say that. But uh, you know I, I don't know I, I think we need 
maybe to shake things up up top. But uh, yeah, great production from from set pieces, and uh, I was looking to see if we would do that again here. So the one thing Shaka weren't really planning for is giving up an early goal. They were hoping that it would stay in it, keep it close, and, and, and try to score one on the counter. Though in the sixth minute mark, um, there was an outstanding counter by Bayern. The ball ended up to Mueller uh, outside the box. Who and He went for a goal. Why not? Because take a shot if you got it. Uh, Fireman did well to save it, sort of. Uh, the rebound ended up going right to guess who, guys? Lewandowski, little dummy from him. Mueller! Terrific save, Lewandowski's there, and there is the inevitable goal. Bayern Munich lead, and it's the pole that's done it again. He scores in his 11th consecutive home game, equaling the Bundesliga record belonging to his coach, Jupp Heynckes. Uh, Lewandowski puts it in the net, and just like that, Daniel, uh, your boys are up one nothing. Yeah, and, and I think that was coming with that incredible vertical aggression that they play with and I think that's actually one reason why Shep and Kalik Jewry were were playing where they were playing out wide to sort of marshal the the dual attacking combinations of Robin Ribéry, Kimmich and Alaba which I think are the best in the world for that reason but um, yeah I mean I don't know it, it, when the ball falls to Lewandowski who dominates defenders the way he does it's very likely it'll end up in the back of the net I mean, the one guy you don't want to give a rebound to is that guy. I mean, there's plenty of guys on the team you don't want to give the ball to. But Lewandowski has proven that he's one of the best strikers in the Bundesliga for a long time now. And he's, he'll go down as one of the best strikers in the Bundesliga history. Um, he's just so lethal and never seems to slow down. Some really silky play from from Alaba and uh, I believe it was James Rodriguez there. You know, kind of a give and go and then plays it in nice dummy from from Lua and uh you know Fairman as good as he is when he makes a mistake the way he did against Bremen it tends to mess with his confidence I think for a few games um and he tends to make mistakes in a little bit of you know in, in a streaky fashion and you know he, he really did not do a great job um you know in terms of deflecting that and marshalling it you know out behind or out wide it just kind of fell straight down and that's going to be that's a goal all day for somebody of, of you know Lua's quality no, that was for sure. That was a, for sure a poor goal because he could have, you know, when he when he stopped it, he could have knocked it off to the side or something out of the way of the goal scorer, not in front of the goal. Um, Marie, this obviously put Schalke in immediate danger, and and they had to try to find some way to do this. Fireman has been in a little bit of a, a funk, and since the Rook run started, really um, giving up soft goals and poor play as of late. Um, is this something that we we're gonna have to worry about, or do you think this is just a a blip in the radar? I think it's a blip in the radar. I think Fairman consistently over many years has been one of the best Bundesliga goalkeepers. Early on in the season, we finally saw his major weakness lifted by Tedesco, which is this play with the ball. He used to just lob it right as far as it can, and it was always a risk. You know, you can't play the ball to Fairman as a defender the way that you could to Manuel Neuer. But even there, he's gotten better. He has cost us points. He possibly cost us two or three this weekend and last weekend, two or three. <laughs> so that that is a shame. But what's the replacement option? You know, we have Nubel, who's this big talent, but I think he's 21 years old. We can't exactly start with him at the moment. So Berkey. I think we shouldn't open that can of worms at the moment. 
No, and it's uh, it's it's never you know. I hope. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a blip in the radar because Fireman is a class goalkeeper. Uh, just having his when he when he loses confidence sometimes, it, these kind of goals come and he has these uh, weak soft goals, if you will, uh, that happen. But you know, Jack, we've been talking about how how do teams react, especially like Schalke. How do they react when they get punched in the mouth with a goal? Uh, and this one, I mean, immediately after the goal, they started pressing. Uh, Berkseller ended up, you know, working really hard. Got a got a, a corner kick out of it. Uh, off the corner kick, Tilo Carrer had a shot, went wide, but um, it was proven right away that you know they were taking this match seriously and they were in it. Um, and they didn't. There was no quit in them at the beginning. Yeah, I think uh, Kara actually might have done a little bit better than with that than he than he ultimately did, and maybe if that had fallen for Naldo, we would have seen that uh, go in. But uh, that, yeah, I mean, as you say, that's been a hallmark of of Schalke under Tedesco all season. I think um, you know the resilience in the fight and the uh, you know the heads don't drop when they go behind, and uh, you know they tend to respond very well, and, and they did that again here. Yeah, so in this matchup, you know, Jack and I we've been we've been preaching about inserting Imbolo because he has that much needed pace, and early on he was using that pace. Uh, However, Bayern, um, Daniel, they had this guy named Arturo Vidal or something, and uh, he cleaned up. He cleans up the middle of the park time and time again. This guy is just—he's a tank, exactly. Mm-hmm. Talk about what he brings to that team that, that that you don't have outside of him. Well, I mean, his work ethic. Besides his work ethic, I think something that's understated quite a bit is his football intelligence. You know, he's he's able to be deployed as the man that screens the defense as he was for the most part in this game. But he can also be the shuttler in a three, three-man three uh, midfield, as he has as well, and play a little bit to the, to the right of that midfield. And he can get forward. He's, the, he's got the second most goals, a goal and assist combination after, after Lewandowski in this, in this team this season. That's and that's th- and thanks, thanks in part to, to Heinke's, Heinke's utilization of him. In, in a very sort of flexible way, not just using him as, as a runner and tackler and, and sort of uh, for his work rate and running, but for what he can offer attacking-wise too. And, and so that kind point. of player, is impo- it's, it's, he's, he's impossible to really plan against, really, to be honest. Yeah, and one of the questions that I have for you actually going off of that is um, there's been some discussion as well. And I think actually at least the, the broadcast I was watching, the commentators actually touched on this, which was which was interesting. But, um, you know, with Goretzka making his decision finally to to go to Bayern on a free in the summer, um, you know, there's been some speculation as to whether or not Vidal is going to be sticking around. Um, I personally think it would be a mistake to get rid of him because he brings a lot to the table that, you know, as promising and um, you know, uh, as Gretzka is, there's some, there's definitely some, some lack of overlap in their skill sets, and um, you know that that physicality and, and everything that Vidal brings, I think, is something that Gretzka does not quite have at this point, um, and that could definitely be a uh, something that Byron would would lose and maybe potentially regret losing if if they got rid of him. What are your thoughts on you know Vidal's long term prospects at Byron? Nobody knows really. Um, I don't think he'll leave. I think. If Heinke sticks around, it's reasonable to conclude that Vidal also might stick around, at least for one more season. And whereas, with regards to Goretzka, I don't think he's even brought in to be a Vidal replacement, short or long term. Because as you, as, you, as you say, they are different kinds of players. So I think Goretzka was more or less like a talent that Bayern had the chance to snap up and they couldn't say no. You know how he'll fit in. Nobody really knows. This this setup has been quite flexible, and you know, Hamas has been known to play out wide 
the Liberty and Robin roles, and we know those two are not going to stick around for for a long time. So it's very likely that the current, more or less, it's Hamas has been playing a box to box kind of role because of his work rate and his ability to to drop deeper. So Goretzka could be playing something like that if Hamas pushes further up as well next season. But um, going back to Vidal, I think he'll stick around for at least one more season. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see all shake out because I think sometimes with Bayern and this, this, this happens for different reasons, but um, sometimes they just they bring in all of this midfield talent and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't and it kind of falls by the wayside, whether it's, you know, Tiago or Sanchez or, you know, something like that in recent seasons. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Goretzka gets um, included ultimately. But yeah. And, uh, you know, and Marie, you know, with his whole talk about Goretzka here, we were interested to see how he would perform against Byron. I mean, I, I for once, when I saw him in the lineup, I thought, okay, this is his chance to show off for his new boss, his new team, uh, put him some good work. Um, but, you know, Schalke are losing, uh, obviously, their best player, and it's going to hurt them next year. What does a loss like him, to, especially to a rival like Byron, do to Schalke? Well, first of all, speaking as a lifelong fan, um, the fans are still kind of licking their wounds. When I was younger, Schalke for a long time was Bayern's main domestic rival. Actually, my first game in the new, not that it's new anymore, but in the Bayern, in the new Schalke arena was against Bayern. It was a 5-1 home victory. So going back to those years where we played Champions League every season, um, and then also the loss of Manuel Neuer, who was with Schalke since he was five, this yeah. one was hurt. And... Um, yeah, I think it, it maybe it's naive, sounds naive to other fans, but as a Schalke fan, we did think for a long time that we had a chance at a con- contract extension with Goretzka. So, yeah, when that was announced, that was really bad news. <laughs> I think when you look at it now, it really highlights the future of Max Meyer, who has been mm-hmm. um, a strong friend, friend of Goretzka and under 21 and Germany teammate for a really long time. And might be a bit um, sensitive to the fact that his contract is also running out this summer and it's always been Goretzka, Goretzka, Goretzka talk. And he's now, you know, waving his hand saying, oh, I'm here too. Yep. And I just hope that we can do better on that bit of business. Also positionally and in terms of the identification figure, we always say in Germany as someone who's from the club's youth, it would be really important to hang on to Max Meyer. Yeah, he's been their best player, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, he's the pivotal the ful- playmaker for the team, for sure. And the yeah. fulcrum of that of that side, and I think, not to jump ahead, but in the second half, his removal, I think, really changed the, the overall picture. I agree. Yeah, he's furious. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. When he was taken off, and he was close to throwing bottles around. <laughs> so that 6-8 yeah. combination, the, the Meyer-Goretzka, which is so, so vital for Tedesco's system. So with Goretzka out... I don't know. Maybe you guys know, but what's the uh, what's the long term replacement there? I mean, they they McKinney, uh, they I should. Think. I agree. Really? I, th- okay. I, I think I think it's McKenney, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, very raw still, but he has impressed in in certain flashes when he's come on, and I think he has. Um, he's not purely defensive. I, I think he does a good job getting forward. And even though he hasn't scored a goal yet, you've seen him pop up consistently in, in dangerous mm-hmm. areas, either trailing the player, you know, setting things up for other people. So I think he does have sort of that um, uh, attacking eye that Goretzka has. And uh, obviously a long way to go in terms of his development, but potentially he, he could be the answer. 
And he's also our longest contracted player currently at the club. <laughs> so we're not in danger of him leaving uh, for free anytime soon, which seems to be the case for a lot of uh, Schalke talent recently. Mm, okay, so more bank on, on the youth you already have instead of bringing maybe bring someone else experienced in to, to, to soften the transition. Yeah, and I mean, Bentaleb is still in the picture. I don't know how how I feel about him exactly, but um, there there are some other people still kind of bouncing around. I don't Sorry, I don't ahead. know where where Bentaleb would fit into Tedesco's picture, to be honest. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel the same way at the moment. I think as a number eight, the the problem with Bentaleb was always that he takes too many risks going forward with those passes straight through the middle that kind of cut through the lines, and some coaches have really criticized that. But he's a huge talent. And I think because of the way he looks, you always think he's older than he is, but he's only 23 years old. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he has the confidence to want to make things happen. And I think maybe if we give him a chance for an extended time, then maybe we'll see some of that. There's also been talk in the German press about Dennis Geiger, who's a similar mm-hmm. player to Max Meyer, yeah. a 19-year-old at Hoffenheim. You know, big strategist, number six, perhaps coming in. He would be very expensive because he's young and a talent. But, you know, players like that is really the most we can hope for. Young young players with a lot of talent going forward. What are the clubs that are – are there any clubs linked with Meyer? Or is that just I, like – I mean, it, you yeah. can never trust the transfer rumor mill because, I mean, you don't even know where half of these things come from a lot of the time. But um, I know Arsenal has been linked with him pretty heavily. Barcelona occasionally um, – Liverpool as well, because uh, there's you know Schalke connections at both those clubs. But uh, he's I think definitely Milan getting some... was looking at um, Meyer as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's strange. I mean, the amazing thing about Meyer is the revelation of a six. Like him, him being a, a six. That's where he really does look like he's the best, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a hybrid wing forward playmaker that he never quite seemed to to fit into. So it'd be curious now if other clubs do. Um, come calling, do they also see him as a six, considering he's only really played it for a half a season? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that is a really interesting question. I think that's kind of one of the masterstrokes of Tedesco this season is that conversion because, um, you know, when he first kind of came through this side, he, he looked like he was maybe going to be a number 10 or, you know, you know, one of those creative types. And um, as the seasons went on, he seemed to kind of lose some of that promise and wasn't really um, contributing on the offensive side to the extent that we expected him to. And he really fell out of favor with with Vinesville last season and wasn't even uh, being selected regularly. And he's he's been, you know, completely reinvented. And I, I would be shocked if other teams tried to revert him back to his old position because he's he's done so well um in, in this new role and i think uh outside of just you know the, the possession game and all that i mean i think he's been surprisingly good um defensively with his interceptions and you know the the rate at which he's um you know interrupting things defensively for somebody who maybe isn't considered to be um you know as as, as physical or as aggressive there yeah and he could be very well destroying his career if he chooses to go to a club where he might not be used properly. Yeah, yeah or to a club where he's not first choice. You know, he's always complained at Schalke recently that, um, you know, over the last few years that he's not getting the minutes, but it's Schalke, you know. If, if that's the case here, then why go to a team like Barcelona if we're able to believe the rumors or to the Premier League just to sit on the bench? So I think... He'll look very carefully at Schalke's sporting development, see if we can secure a Champions League space. And if not, um, it was actually brought by Christoph Metzelder, a former Schalke and Dortmund player. Um, he linked Maya with Leipzig 
on the weekend, which I thought oh, was interesting. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Wow. Yeah, because Leipzig, they have this tactic of looking at under-23 German talent and, snap, you know, Timo Werner, for example, who they brought in from Stuttgart. Yeah. Years ago. And Partic- with Kaita, um, sorry, with, yeah, with Kaita, Nabi Kaita leaving, there is a space in the Leipzig midfield. So I hope that we can finish top of Leipzig to prevent, kind of, kind of stifle those <laughs> rumors. <laughs> So let's get back to this match. Uh, Jack, first quarter hour, I thought Schalke did fairly well. Yes, Byron have the, the edge in talent um, and the edge in goal at that point. But for the most part, it was a fairly even matchup, in my opinion. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I thought Schalke gave a you know pretty good account of themselves uh, for, for most of the match, really. Um, like I said, very aggressive lineup and, and strong pressing tactics and, and really kind of took it to Byron. Um, most of the match, I don't think Bayern really had too much of an offensive flow. Um, I mean, they had a couple chances that maybe they could have done better on, but I didn't feel like we were getting um, overrun to the extent that um, we have in, in some recent encounters with them. Yeah, and Schalke had good possession too, which is a, a rare thing against Bayern because Bayern tend to hog up all the ball, the ball time, and then you just have to play counter. But no, I thought Schalke did fairly well as far as that aspect. Yeah, for sure. All right, so. I know. I think it was around the 16th, 17th minute. Byron they had an odd man break. Uh, it was a you never want to see Robin Lewandowski and Ribéry coming down at you with the ball. And I think back there was only Naldo and maybe Stambouli. Stambouli, who's been at times brilliant, at times uh, havoc back there for his own team. Um, he uh, Ribéry was actually looking for Robin out wide, and he ended up snuffing out a pass. Um, and that play actually uh, led to an attack for Schalke. Um, Having some having Stambouli back there now, I mean, obviously Nastasic was out because of the two yellow cards. Um, Marie, what you know, Stambouli's been up and down all season, but when he plays well, he he actually looks like he he's competent back there and he could be a, a good defender. Definitely, I'm I'm kind of undecided on Stambouli. There's a lot of hype at the moment among Schalke fans on Twitter about Stambouli, saying he was our best player and so on and so forth. I think when Nastasic is fit, Nastasic starts. Stambouli, he's been great because the thing with Stambouli is that he's a trained defensive midfielder. So he can play passes. He's a better footballer than most centre-backs. And we saw that yesterday. You know, he had good deliverance on his passes. He was very calm. He had some great tackles in the box, which stopped chances. I think once against Ribéry, where we all breathed a sigh of relief. But... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not part of the Stambouli fandom quite yet. I think he needs to be more consistent. <laughs> so, but and his covering and uh, tackle actually led to Di Santo's goal. Yes, yes, yeah. it did. So stuff like that, what he can do, and it, it is brilliant. But other times, he makes stupid fouls in the box and gets a penalty kick for the other team. <laughs> so, Marie, going forward though, who who do you prefer? Sort of in that that RCB situation, do you prefer Kara or do you prefer Stambouli? Because that's something that Richard and I have been going back and forth with. Mm-hmm. Um, all season, there seems to be, uh, you know, pros and cons of each in terms of the different things they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I would put money on Kara just because he's from our youth and he's a young player. Uh, and that's always kind of been my view with development. Also, when a few years ago we had Raphael, who's been excellent for Gladbach ever since he was with us for a season, did a good job. And then that wasn't extended because Max Meyer was breaking through the ranks and they gave him a chance instead. I think the same should be true for Kera and Stambouli, where we 
really put our faith in Kira and then have Shambuli as that excellent backup player. And with three centre-backs in our system, there's always going to be a match where someone has to sit it out. Very true. Hopefully next season, they'll will be in three competitions again. So I think he'll get his minutes as well. Well, as uh, Daniel just aforementioned, um, you know, it was actually a play by, by Stambouli defensively on Ribéry, which led to a break by Goretzka. Um, coming up the pitch, ball ended up wide to Mbolo, uh, who knocked in a cross. Goretzka went for a, a sensational volley attempt, missed it completely. But it fell to um, Jack's favorite guy, Franco Di Santo, who <laughs> did nothing but finished it well. Mbolo's onto it. Santo has scored for Schalke. They're level. 29 minutes gone. And the Royal Blues have hit back. What a goal. I mean, uh, if Goretzka had that, that would have been goal of the year. But uh, luckily, I mean, the whiff bounced right to DeSanto, who's in perfect position. And he volleyed it out of the air himself, Jack. Yeah, it was really interesting because that, that sort of sequence, um, Goretzka, you know, dribbled up the middle, but DeSanto, you saw DeSanto and Mbolo very wide on opposite ends of the pitch, those strikers getting out to those wide areas to provide service. Um, uh, DeSanto kind of whipped it across to Mbolo, and Mbolo whipped it back in, and uh, as you said, Goretzka attempted this sort of sensational, ambitious half-bike type situation, which he ultimately whiffed on, and um, it, it fell to DeSanto. I think I think Kimmich kind of left him unmarked ultimately, and um, you know what? Credit to him. He took a first time, finished it. I don't think it was, you know, the most amazing placement or anything. And um, obviously, I've been critis- uh, critical of him in the past, but uh, he he got the gold today, and no one else did. So, uh, you know, props to him. And uh, obviously, his, his work rate in the pressing game was was excellent as it usually is. Daniel uh, Chalka obviously were playing very well at this point, and it was a well deserved goal, at least in our opinion. Uh, what were you thinking when that goal went in for Chalka? Uh, I double-checked, maybe triple-checked, to see who the scorer was. <laughs> I think that's his... We all did. Uh, what, what, fifth goal? Fifth goal ever. Fifth, ever. fifth goal, fifth goal ever. ever. So when he went, you know, he doesn't score often, but when he does, it better be a big club. And, you know, you don't get much bigger than Bayern. So that was, that was good to see from... I, I was thinking of Jack, what he must feel at the moment, um, because it was De Santo. And it was, actually was a really well-taken and calm goal. It was yeah. aimed. Yeah, it was... Uh, I'm talking like it was aimed properly as if I, you know, I'm, I'm the professional who <laughs> doesn't know how to aim properly. But, yeah, that, that's how rare it was. And, and it did come from like a rather wacky situation of like missed half bicycle kick, and which I kind of really wanted it to go in from Goretzka, Goretzka just <laughs> for the narrative. Oh, yeah, yeah for I sure. I want to see a celebration. I want to see if he celebrated or not, you know. No, yeah, but regardless was, of the goal, it was just um, that was the, the 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 momentum of the game. It was back and forth. It was a really great game at that point. So, but I knew it wasn't over. I mean, you know, it's not like Bayern were going to now sit back. They're going right. to keep coming. So it's just a matter of will the next goal come in this half or the next half? And we we know what happened. <laughs> well, five minutes after the goal, Bayern uh, nearly had a, uh, took the lead when Lewandowski had an opportunity, but he skied it. Uh, I want to talk about a play that happened shortly after that. Um, it was a play around the 35th, 36th minute when Alaba crossed it to Lewandowski. Uh, Naldo took him down in the box. Ref says no foul. You guys were good with that? Uh, I'm going to start with Daniel because it was your player who was fouled. Uh, did you, what did you think about that when it first happened? I actually don't remember that. Yeah, so, uh, so it was a play where uh, Lewandowski was getting the ball. Naldo was coming in mm-hmm. to close, on, close in on him and um, Lewandowski went down at, at the at live time. To me, it looked like uh, it was a it was a possible penalty. And then when you look back at the replay, 
Um, and now they've got a piece of him, but I think it was more a dive job by, by Lewandowski. Jack, is that how you saw it too? Yeah, I remember being moderately unconvinced by that. Um, I mean, I think it's possible it could have been given. I don't think it was criminal that it wasn't. And I actually don't have that great of a recollection of that either. I think it's because, you know, the next goal came in such short succession after that, that, you know, maybe the attention was kind of distracted, but, um, yeah, it was definitely uh, an interesting sequence there. So the score would go into halftime one, one, a good position for Schalke, entertaining game overall. Um, you know, Schalke have done done in the past where they've done high pressing uh, in a game, but they don't sustain it for the entire game. So at this point, I was I was curious as you know, would Schalke be able to keep it up? Would they run out of legs? Would Bayern's uh, speed and, and talent and legs take over take over the game? Um, so up up to this point, though, I thought Tedesco had done well. Um, he in some games he shows that he thinks too much and, and gets out coached, but in this up to this point so far. Um, yes, he was going against Peter Herman on the other side because um, Yip was out with the flu. But I, th- I thought he did well coming into the game, and, and the team responded well in the first 45 minutes, guys. Well, I mean, he had, uh, Muller actually scored in the 36 to make it 2-1, I believe. Yes, indeed. From a fair amount mistake, mistake. You yeah, are so right. It was 2-1 at halftime, I believe. Robin to Muller. Oh, how did he squeeze that in? Restore their lead. Thanks to Thomas Muller's goal. You know, I'm looking at it right there. <laughs> you guys are right. Uh, yeah, F- Fairman, Fairman strikes again there. You know, that Robin. That was a soft goal. It really was. Fair, uh, Robin, you know, plays the ball into uh, to Muller, who, from a very, very shallow angle, just plays it near post. And Fairman is two, three, four feet off his post in just very poor positioning. And um, that kind of thing should never happen. Yeah, I was shocked. I was I was really shocked at that, to be honest. It was un it was uncharacteristically poor from from Fairman. But like I said, well, I mean, he, he made that mistake in Fairman. It uh, was Berkey esque. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, he was a foot off the goal line. I mean, he had all the room in the world to shoot, and I'm like, what is it? What is Fairman doing there? Another soft goal. And I think I think it was like a no look shot from Müller because I think he was he was looking up into the into the box maybe to see if. He can cross to anyone. So I don't know how much of it was intentional. I mean, I think most of it was intentional. But I, I seem to remember from the replay, it was a no-look goal, which is kind of cool, considering yeah, he, the source. He, he admitted afterwards that it was unintentional, which I thought was classical Miller for that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, instead of saying, oh, look at my skill, look at this acute angle. Um, he it kind of went over his foot. He, I think he was intending to cross it in for Robin in the middle, and uh, slipped over his foot. And because Fairman was also speculating for that pass, there was a gap. And yeah, what a what a blunder, and what a shame for us that in this one half, forty five minutes away to Bayern, we concede two goals due to goalkeeping mistakes. Yeah, other than that, it was I mean a good half for Schalke. Um, no, I was a. Uh... Mueller took the high road on that. I mean, if it was like Cristiano Ronaldo, he probably would have said, I tried to do that. I did that on purpose. Da, 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 da. But you, know how, you know, we all know how he is. Anyway, I was hoping that uh, I, I didn't mention the goal because I was hoping Daniel would forget about it. But no, he, you know, obviously he didn't. <laughs> so down 2-1 at halftime, uh, Schalke go in. I still thought it was a positive performance nonetheless. I mean, yeah, two soft goals by Fireman uh, nonetheless. But, um, 
you know, it was optimism in the first half because Chaka were creating opportunities. Uh, it wasn't a one-sided affair as, you know, you know, you going down 2-1 to halftime at, at Bayern, you think you'd be dominated if you, if you weren't paying attention to the game. But Shaka I thought, did well. Um, so we'll move on to the second half. Uh, Shaka continued to press on. Uh, they, they had some chances here and there. I mean, you know, if you look at the substitutions that came in later on in the game, you know, Chipka came in for Meyer. Uh, I thought that was an okay, an okay substitution. Harit came on for Bergstaller. Um, and obviously, you know, Gretzka going out also. It's the game as as the game went on longer. I I have I had a sense, Daniel, that Bayern were just gonna close up shop, not let any more big opportunities come along, and just close the game out and uh, play it safe. Well, the 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 main narrative for me from this game is that, as I mentioned earlier, is the Meyer substitution. That I I, I still don't really understand why that happened. I mean. You can say that it was the yellow. Maybe it was the yellow. He was sitting on a yellow, and considering how Bayern kept pressing, maybe and Schalke needed to respond. Maybe you know Meyer could have been sent off. But, yeah, that's um, that's the only thing I can I can think of why it would have been because um, I mean maybe because against you know against Verder we had Nastasic pick up the second yellow. Maybe that was in the back of Tedesco's mind that he didn't want a repeat of that, especially in you know as high profile fixture as you know a Bayern match. Um, but it, that was a huge, huge decision. It obviously disrupted our entire flow um, and really kind of hindered our ability to uh, mount a comeback in the second half. Marie, do you agree? I do agree. I was very surprised. I think it would have been worth the risk because to me, although afterwards mm-hmm. all the talk was about Goretzka, Maya was our best player, our most important player. And it was really a shame to see that. There was also this big shuffle because then, of course, Okchipka went back to the left, Kelly Jury went to the right and Shep stepped into the middle of the field. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the best timing to do that, you know, 30 minutes to go away at Bayern to try that kind of experiment. I think Shep overall did a good job. He has the potential. He's, you know, he's got horse lungs, as we say, he can run. And he, he ran the, job uh, sorry and, to interrupt, and, but he, 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 he ran the most from every player, 12.7 kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't doubt it. And um, he's a second most Thomas Muller. Very versatile, but I, I think he's no Meyer, and I think we really missed those passes, the vision, yeah, transition. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it slowed down. And I think I think that the potential for that second yellow was definitely a factor in this. But let's go back to the yellow that Meyer picked up. Uh, it was a play where it was a loose ball. Uh, him and Ribéry are going for it. I thought uh, Meyer did well to win the ball. Uh, I guess he maybe left his feet out too long. How are you guys? How did you feel about the Marie? I'll go back to you. How do you feel about the yellow when it happened? I mean, I watch Premier League a lot, so my... Oh, that, that's normal <laughs> like, in the Premier League. That's normal Earth, in the Premier League. I was at how he played the ball. And I thought it was very harsh early on for a defensive midfielder in the 14th minute, I think, to get a yellow for a, a foul that, okay, you can get the free kick, but even if you let that play go, no one is going to, you know, no one's going to say, hang on, what happened there? It was that kind of play where it was really, the question was, is it a foul or is it not a foul? Not... Is it a foul or is it a yellow card foul? Yeah, I thought it was. I agree. I thought it was an atrocious call, honestly. Um, Meyer wins the ball there. And, you know, maybe if it was a situation where he came in studs up and won the ball, you could give him a yellow because it was a dangerous play. But he really kind of wins that ball side footed, sort of. Um, I don't think he's really ever in danger of, of injuring Ribery or anything. 
And, uh, you know, particularly when you have uh, Arturo Vidal taking down Mbolo about 10 minutes earlier um, mm-hmm. on a counter and no card being given there. I thought it was a strange decision, especially, you know, because I think that was Myers' first transgression. And it wasn't even really a transgression because I think he won the ball. So um, huge decision in the match. And, it, and if that did play into his substitution later in the game, um, you know, how important was that? I mean, yeah. So I like to play devil's advocate here and there, and then luckily we have a, an opportunity to do that right now. Daniel, what did you see on that play? I actually agree with Jack and Mary. I, th- I think it wasn't a yellow, especially not in the 14th minute in this top spiel, where it was yeah. already heated, and and I th- Vidal did actually commit what could have been a yellow card offense earlier. So, yeah, I think it was it was sad to see, um, especially since it came back to Han Schalke later, which revealed, I think, the flaw behind Tedesco's overall strategy to replace Schiff with Meyer, that's not... No, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, anytime you have a big game like this, you're trying to, as a referee, you want to hold back those yellows as long as possible uh, because um, you want you don't want it to be a factor in the game later on, whether someone gets a second yellow or a red card or whatnot. Uh, you want to try to keep it, keep it calm in the beginning. If later on it gets a little crazy, that's when you start to uh, hand out the yellow cards. But I thought it was unnecessary for sure. Well, that pretty much uh, that ended the game. 2-1 went for Bayern. Uh, another loss for Schalke. Marie, uh, I mean, we all kind of had, we all knew that we were going to lose to Bayern. The question is about how much. Schalke did made a valiant effort in, in this one and, and made it a go. Um, Bayern's just too much for them. But this is now back-to-back losses in the league. Um, they've lost three times in the in the Rook Runda already. And some tough games coming up ahead. I mean, where, where does Schalke go from here to try to rebound from this? Yeah, obviously painful um, given how well the boys did. I think you have to be brutally honest and look back now and, say, and recognize that in the last 10 Bundesliga games, we only have two victories to show. And we're starting to miss those points now. The good thing is that the Champions League competition is still very tight. All the other teams are inexplicably dropping points as well uh, I also think for example Frankfurt good on them for being so high up but I don't see that continuing until the end so I think you know we just have to look forward and hope that I see it as a kind of forward competition for three spots behind Bayern I, I see Leipzig Dortmund Leverkusen and us and I think for us looking forward that game two weeks from now against Leverkusen is incredibly important because we right, really right. need to catch them up Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then Daniel from from you, um, what were your overall opinions on how Schalke played in this one? I mean, I, I'm assuming you expected Bayern to win this match, but um, did, did Schalke surprise you in terms of how well they played? Did you did you think positively of their overall performance, or were you kind of say yeah, it's, that's what I expected? No surprise considering how Tedesco set up this team and how they've been playing, even with against Bremen. I mean, yeah, they lost, but. I don't think the scoreline reflects the performance. And, you know, Schalke really pushed Bayern this entire match. And, and I think the difference is also just a goalkeeper mistake. Yeah. I think that's important to keep in mind. And I hope, for their sake, I hope, you know, Tedesco relays that to the players and they can keep their confidence high. I mean, they're, they're, they're also, you know, very likely to reach the, the Pokal final. You know, they've been drawn against Frankfurt. Yeah. And I think it's very likely that they could be facing Bayern in the final. So this match is important to sort of look back for them. And I hope it's the, the, the right 
um, the positive positive things are extracted from this game. So that's something else that's interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, and you know, assuming that we're going to beat Frankfurt. Let, let's just assume that we do for a second, and we, and we go and we and and we face Bayern Munich in a final. Um, do you think that benefits Schalke? The more times these two teams play, do you think that gives the advantage to to Bayern or to Schalke, or is it kind of a wash? Any any experience, any exposure you have to this Bayern team is good for a team. And I think someone like Tedesco, who you know, lap, quote laptop coach, you know, who's so who's so driven by by analytics and statistics and and really uh, focusing on development, game from game to game, from player to player. I think for sure he'll he'll learn something from from this match. Well, just there's no the, question. Look at the first matchup with Bayern against to the second match. The first matchup he got outclassed, outcoached in the first matchup. They lost with three nothing, or was it, was the final score of that game? They got they got beaten that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game they look they look you know compatible. Uh, they looked like they could fight in this one. They had a chance. Um, it didn't look like they were getting beat down or, or pushed over whatsoever. So it did show that Tedesco learned from that matchup at least. So I, I am curious to see if you know if Schalke are fortunate to get past Frankfurt, uh, how they would do against Bayern in the final. And you know Bayern are going to go for it for sure because they want that triple uh, one more time. Uh, imagine if Henkes gets that again, but that's an, I'll leave that for another podcast. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think Tedesco, how he faces when he, more times he faces a team or any manager faces a team more often, I think will do do wonders for them. And I agree with you, Daniel. You know, yes, you know, you don't want to play Bayern so many times in a year, but uh, the more you see a team, the more you learn their nuances and whatnot, and it can only help you. And the other question I had for both of you, Marie and Daniel, is uh, I know this is you know still early in the in, in the rook render here, but what are your um, predictions for the sort of long term prospects of Schalke this season? Where do you think they 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 end up? Do you think they they qualify for Europe? And if so, is it a, is it a Europa League spot? Is it a is it a Champions League spot? I'd li- ideally, I'd like to see Schalke get into the Champions League, but um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if they will or not. I think they'll stay within the top six for sure. I think they, they will. I think I even think they'll get to the Pokal final. I think they'll beat Frankfurt. And I think that if they fin- I th- if they finish top six, in my opinion, and get to the final, it's a positive season. And I think they I, can do that. I agree, especially given you know where they were last year. Um, Marie? Yeah, I, I think... If we're being objective, I would agree with that. As a fan, obviously, I want more. <laughs> we had a great hinderunder, and we finished second. And I think it's incredible how much Tedesco has gotten out of the squad. I mean, if you look at the quality in the squad, I think we've had much better squads in the last 10 years. So it's really, I mean, to finish the hinderunder top of Dortmund, Leipzig, Leverkusen, who, in my opinion, will have better players in the collective. Right. Um, yeah. I think, um, given that, I would be okay with Europa League, but yeah, I'd like to see us finish in that top three or four spot if we can. It's it's tricky to predict because, you know, Schalke's main competition, I agree with Mary that Frankfurt might not last. They'll drop eventually. Um so, so their main competition will really be Leverkusen, and and Leverkusen has been the other really interesting team to watch. I think that the two interesting teams to watch this Bundesliga season have been Leverkusen and Schalke for similar reasons: new coach, new setup, uh, freedom to to play a certain way, a certain aggressive attacking style with positional discipline. 
Um, Bailey with Leverkusen, Harit with Schalke. They're very, very similar in the respect that they attack and they're, they've been standout players for their teams this year. Yeah, and, and both both teams, when they play, they're kind of must-watch games uh, for good and bad reasons. Like, um, you know, they're, they're teams that whose defenses aren't necessarily tight. Uh, so, you know, they might leak the occasional goal, but they'll they'll counter and they'll score goals. And overall, I... I haven't seen one game from each team that hasn't been really exciting or very interesting to watch. Yeah, and that's that's interesting that you that you took the uh, the approach that you did there because Richard and I just spoke to Abel Mezarosh of uh, Talking Foosball, um, and he actually has the opposite opinion. He thinks it's going to be Frankfurt that that stays, and it's actually going to be Leverkusen that drops. But uh, you know, it's it's so hard to predict. I mean, something's got to give. You look at the table right now, and um, you know, between uh, fourth place where Frankfurt's at, and you know, even down to eleventh. Uh, where Hertha's at, there's six points, and uh, things can shift so rapidly week to week. Who knows? I mean, that's the beauty of the Bundesliga. That's the beauty of the Bundesliga, aside from the first. <laughs> yeah, aside from Bayern, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, before we let you guys go, um, I, I want to get your opinions on uh, as a big game for Schalke up ahead, especially for Tedesco next week. Uh, they play against Hoffenheim. Uh, let's start with you, Marie, from a Schalke perspective. Uh, what are your predictions? What are you looking forward to that matchup? And what are you, what is your predictions for that game? I think this will be a big matchup for the press. Everyone will love this. Again, the Tedesco-Nagelsmann matchup. I think it will be really interesting because Hoffenheim and Schalke both started poorly to the, to the tail end of the season. And both need to improve rapidly. Hoffenheim now had a victory yesterday. We did not... But I'm really looking forward to the game. I think we'll hopefully win. Something that's important for us is to finally find that clinical finish up front again. Yes. Um, we've really been lacking that. Okay, Burgstaller scored against the cup in, in, in the cup for us, Di Santo, yesterday. But if you look at our squad up front, you know, we have Embolo, this 22 million talent. We have Burgstaller, Di Santo. Then we have Piazza from Turin on the bench and Konoplianka there should be a lot more. We should be scoring goals. So I hope that we can get that done. And then I think we can beat Hoffenheim. Yeah, I, I'm really looking I'm really looking forward to this one personally. There's so many storylines in this one. First of all, you have you know the, the Nagelsmann Tedesco storyline, the two young coaches who kind of came up together and that rivalry. And you know, you look at the match that took place between those two teams earlier in the season. I don't think the scoreline was really reflective of how that game went overall. Um, it was 2-0, but one of those was when we pulled the goalkeeper in stoppage time, and I think Schalke um, had a number of chances they didn't finish there. But then also, you know, the Mark Uth um, storyline with him coming to Schalke on a free in the summer, and, you know, you've got uh, Shalai in there as well, who used to be a Schalke player, and, you know, Geiger, as we were talking about before. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to look out for in this one, and I'm looking forward to it. How about you, Daniel? You got a prediction for that? Yeah, it's boring for me to also agree with everyone that I'm looking forward to for similar, for similar reasons. But I think uh, going back to, to Schalke needing to score more, I think a lot of that will depend on Goretzka. Not necessarily Burgstahler, De Santo, or Mbolo, who yeah. two of those, Burgstahler and De Santo, I mean, okay, Burgstahler has, I think, exceeded expectations in scoring quite a lot for for what people expected of him. But I don't think De Santo will all, all of a sudden start scoring more goals. And with Mbolo, it's still too early to tell. So I don't think goals will come... But it's Goretzka who, who keeps popping up on, on the end of chances. And who, even against Bayern, I think, had the chance to score two or three. Yeah, yeah. Two, two or three very good opportunities. 
and he didn't score. And I think that's just a matter of like match fitness. But he's the one that constantly gets in those spaces. So if he gets going, I think we can see a lot more goals from Schalke. And then they might become dependent on him. But I think that's the key for Schalke to really get going is just for Goretzka to start performing better and better. And I think we might see that because I think he has, little by little, he has been performing better and better. And it's just a shame that he's going to leave. Yeah, yeah, we know. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, he's a pivotal playmaker for us, like you said. Uh, the goals are only going to come when they come through him because he's the one who's pulling the strings. Um, he draws the attention away from the, from the attackers and gets them, and gets them the passes that they can eventually hope to try to score on. So hopefully, uh, as Marie said, they get, become more clinical and then that can only come from, uh, Goretzka. Uh, I, I, I see this Hoffenheim match as very interesting. Like Jack said, it was, uh, the, the scoreline was not indicative of how the game was played. Um, and you guys have said everything it is to say already about this matchup. I'm going to hoping, hope that Chaka gets some, somehow finds a way to get some clinical scoring in this. And, and I think they'll get a win as well against Hoffenheim, hopefully. Uh, and hopefully Uth doesn't score against us because that'll be, uh, that would be a little bit insult to injury, if, especially if it's a game winner. <laughs> My prediction, Chaka wins. 2-1. That's what I like to hear. That's what it's I like unanimous. to hear. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shaka fans, those are our predictions, and that is our recap of the Byron match. Tell us about, tell us how you felt about the Byron match uh, at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Keep tuning each week as we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. Stay tuned to next week's episode where we recap the pivotal match against Hoffenheim. We also want to thank our esteemed panel, Marie and Daniel. Ladies first, Marie, where can our listeners follow you on social media? I'm most active on Twitter. My handle is at Marie Shubo. That's Marie, M-A-R-I-E, and then S-C-H-U-B-O. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you're an aspiring sports journalist, aren't you? Not are you not? I am, particularly a football writer, both in English and German, and I have some some bits online already. So yeah, yeah. we'll make sure we'll make sure we uh, you know retweet some of those pieces as they come out from you. So definitely Thank give you. her a follow, and then uh, Daniel, where can people find find you? So you can check out my work on my website, danielnyari.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-N-Y-A-R-I. My handle on Twitter and Instagram. Where I'm most active is at Daniel Nyari for both. Again, at D-A-N-I-E-L-N-Y-A-R-I. Likewise, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Dankeschön. Yeah. Any projects, past, present, future that you want to shout out and direct people to specifically or just kind of in general? Yeah, keep your eyes open. I have a couple of illustrations coming up for a very popular uh, British publisher. That's all I'll say. All right. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) Well, thank you both again for helping us break down the top spiel. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, to my co-host, Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. And give him a follow. He is a must-follow. Sometimes he'll play the ukulele for you, so check him out. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Tschüss.